Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. I'm Ari McGee, having a hard time keeping my stuff together. There were some conversations before this thing started. I can't tell you guys about it because there's like confidentiality writers and stuff like that. But trust me, if you ever see these people in public, you don't want to know what's going on inside their heads. All right. Let me introduce you to the band of miscreants that are going to be giving you information this week. First, we have the host of Story on the Spot and a slew of other things, the busiest man in showbiz, Mr. Jim Heskett. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. My man. Next, someone who I think could probably spin off of our crazy conversation earlier better than the rest of us, but we're not going to do that because this is a family program. <laughs> this is oh. <laughs> it. Not if you start spinning it off. It w- definitely won't be Mrs. Philippa <laughs> Warner. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, a man who needs no introduction, so I'm going to stop Nick. trying. Nick. Nick. <laughs> Just Nick. I wasn't sure if you were either gonna introduce me or Philip of that with that yeah. with that doozy. So I'm glad I'm glad she got it, not me. I don't want to have any association with this conversation from earlier. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I got nothing. So in any event, let's move on from that and purify ourselves and step forward mm-hmm. into the magical stories that we will be talking about this week as soon as we get a wonderful well, story. That, are we going right into it now, or do you have anything? Shrub. Do we do something fun ahead of time? Or, yeah, you I mean, know, we kind of I, expect you to stick okay. to the script that none of us wrote. But well, <laughs> listen, the only thing that's been on my mind that I really can't get away from is the fact that the <laughs> and that is what's on my mind. I can't get away from it because no matter when I talk, that thing goes off too early, too late. It's just brutal. It's just brutal. You know, we start over. No, never, never. We're going down with the ship, Mr. Heskett. We are going down. We are the violinists on this Titanic. All right. And we can't get away from it. So in any event, let's talk about the first story. This is actually kind of fun. And I think that this is applicable to all of us. Okay. I stole this from uh, Sifwa, I guess is how you pronounce it. I'm not in Sifwa because I don't do sci-fi, but I think that's how they pronounce it. Spec Fic Foo, how to make aliens and robots fight better. Now, if you are one of our listeners who writes fantasy or sci-fi or alien type stuff, this is actually very interesting, right? Because as the director, not the director, the author, Andrew Ho says, all the fighting that we watch on TV and that we write into our books usually are based on fighting human opponents, right? So you kick people in the junk, you break their arms with Kimuras and arm bars, you rear naked choke them. If you're Nick, you have patented uh, throat punches and neck bullets, shot. Neck, neck, shots, neck shots, neck shots through the throat. Hashtag Nick Dacker 2021. But this guy is saying essentially that robots might not fight the same because they don't have the same 
weaknesses as we do. And that if you had an alien species that had three lungs for some reason, then they would all fight to attack each other, to harm each other differently. And I thought that this was a cool idea. I'd never really considered anything like that. So if you write that kind of stuff or write fight scenes in general, I think this is a good article to check out and kind of enjoy. My question for you guys is what you think about this article, but we all write things where people beat the crap out of each other. How do you guys get your research for your uh, fight scenes? Nick, how do you research fight scenes other than the next shots? Because that just comes naturally to you. Yeah, I don't know that I do much besides neck shots. I think everything is all just foreplay until somebody gets shot in the neck. There's some really good books that I've read. Um, a friend of mine, Joshua Esso, has one called, it's actually, I'll turn my, my camera on so you guys can see it, but it's action scenes or action sequences and how to write them. But then check this out, boom, 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 you flip the book over and then it's sex scenes and how to write them. So he's kind of like a two for one sort of thing. It was a Kickstarter I'm that he wrote. And it's, it's down good. joke here somewhere, but. Hmm. There, there is somewhere. <laughs> I, I mean, tried to read it, like, but it was just upside down the whole time. <laughs> like, I didn't know. know this was Japanese manga. Why can't I get this? <laughs> There's another one called Write the Fight Right by Alan Baxter. That one's a, a pretty solid one. But I, that's pretty much how I do it. I, I research. I read what other people write. I listen to guys like this who have some martial arts experience or military training because they typically, typically, now that's a strong word, but typically better how fights in the real world are going to go down. Because anyway, the only thing I'll say about it is that typically they don't last as long as Hollywood makes us think they last. And so if you're going for Hollywood style, which arguably in my books, I kind of do, then it's sort of what I'm writing is sort of that I want you to feel like you're watching Indiana Jones or something. But if you're trying to just go for accuracy, then typically fights don't last as long as they're not choreographed and elegant. You know, somebody hits somebody in the spleen and they go down, you know. So anyway, that's that's how I do it. I, I read a lot, pretty much. I try not to fight in person in real life in meat space. So uh, my experience is all anecdotal. <laughs> so you haven't ever had to explain to the police that it was research. I didn't say haven't ever. I just said I try not to. Understandable. Understandable. Is that why you just moved to islands? He's running, running from something. <laughs> I'm running. I'm running. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to do that to Pippa. Tim, what do yeah. you what do you think, man? What's your take on this? I uh, I, well, I think this article is very interesting. Even if you don't write fight scenes, it's interesting to consider how different kinds of people or different kinds of objects behave differently. I keep my fight scenes pretty short. You know, like Nick said, fights are nasty, brutish, and short. Like the famous gunfight at the OK Corral lasted less than 60 seconds. And I know when I'm reading a book, if a fight scene goes on for too long, I'm going to start skimming and look for the dialogue. I remember reading a Brandon Sanderson book where there was a fight scene that was like 20 pages long. It's just like, is this ever going to end? <laughs> So I tend to keep them pretty short because I know my readers, they would rather read two pages of punching than six pages of punching because what they really care about is how the fight ends and where everybody is at emotionally, physically, whatever, when it's over. You know, like Elmore Leonard said, leave out the boring parts. People don't skip dialogue. Mm. It's the goat right there, man. Elmore Leonard. More people yep. should talk about Elmore Leonard. One of the best. Agreed. Pippa, what you got? Yeah, I generally between various forms of research. So did a whole bunch of martial arts at one point, have some friends that are veterans, listen to them talk, read books, all of that. And then a lot like Jim tend to try to focus on dialogue. I actually try to intersperse that because for me, it helps like people obviously don't want the like one shot kendo fight. <laughs> and the, the emotional stuff is, I think, how I keep the fight going. So yeah. if you set someone off balance emotionally as well as having just whacked them in the face, then 
Yeah, definitely good stuff. Definitely good stuff. I think a lot of the same. I think that you guys are right. No one wants a super long fight scene. And if you're going to do that, then, uh, you know, maybe there needs to be some other kind of observations. I mean, without hitting it too much on the head, I thought that Sherlock Holmes, the first one with Robert Downey Jr., kind of did a good job of that. They wanted the fight scene to be longer. But in reality, you know, it was a 10 seconds of him beating the guy up, but it kind of took you into his thought process. I thought that was kind of a unique thing to do. So in any I'm, event, I'm glad right. you mentioned that because that's, that was exactly what I was thinking of when I was listening to the Alan Baxter, the book I mentioned when he was talking about this. I was like, that's a great example of like visually being able to slow things down so that it's really seems intense. I mean, they do that like super fast motion camera or whatever that makes it slow mm-hmm. or super slow. mo. I mean, and this is really more of a question than an answer, but I don't know how to do that in writing you know, as well. It doesn't seem like it translates as easily. I don't know. Anyway, I was just going to throw that out there. I think that's a great example of one, but it's like, if we just try to do that, then all we end up with is just describing the slow moving bullet through the air. And it just doesn't really have the same effect, you know? (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. You got to kind of probably work your way around that somehow. But um, in any event, something to consider and a a pretty good article. So uh, you guys might want to check that out. Okay. So in the next story, I want to give our listeners who you know, they want to traditionally publish. So I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of hope if you're kind of struggling with the query process and things like that. And this is regarding a flight attendant who is selling a book that is being billed as Jaws at 35,000 feet. So her name is Tori Newman. She's a flight attendant. And during her duties, she kind of started thinking about some story ideas that could take place involving the pilot being blackmailed to put the ship into the ground. So can, can I read the quote? <laughs> because Please what, do. <laughs> Please do. She, literally, she says, a few days later, I was working a different trip. So implying she's like on a plane with different pilots. And I said to the captain, this is a direct quote. Hey, what would you do if your family was taken and you were told that if you didn't crash the plane, they would be killed? Yeah, I was like, how did you not get yeeted <laughs> off that flight? He's like, security. Sorry, how do- <laughs> you're blocked out of the cockpit. The plane lands at the nearest airport and you're done. Like, I don't understand how the pilot's just like, oh, I don't know what I would do. That's scary. You know, what- <laughs> this extremely <laughs> hypothetical question is interesting. To me. <laughs> so, but in any event, so she writes this book, okay? And she sets out to get it published. And according to the article, she wrote about 30 drafts of this book, which, you know, is a lot, is a lot. But hey, I'm not here to talk about anybody's process. But the interesting thing to me was that she queried 41 times and was rejected 41 times. And then her 42nd submission went to a guy who happened to be a screenwriter, who was a literary agent, who liked it. And did has such luminous movies on his credits as Armageddon and Savages and Shaft. And he was interested in it. And so he scooped it up. So uh, what do you guys think about? I'm so excited for Disney to pick this up and then not pay her royalties for making the movie out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Tori, I hope you have a good IP lawyer. I hope you're working on that already. But uh, I'm confused as to how exactly it's like Jaws at 30. Yeah, yeah. I saw that too. It's called Jaws. Jackson already did that with snakes. Get these. I I see Jaws at 35,000 feet and I'm like, wow, the plane's full of water and there's a shark swimming around in it. Yeah, that's how they obviously that's how they deliver sharks different like sea worlds, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I would do that. Hitchhiker's guide with the whale plummeting out of the sky. (laughs) Like, oh, shit. (laughs) 
So uh, what do you, what do you guys think about the perseverance that Tori had here? That's, that's, that's pretty good to keep going. The 42nd time, she must really believe in her, uh, her product. Did she huh? ask 41 pilots too? <laughs> 21 pilots. So 41 rejections isn't that many. I think I had twice that many on when I first queried. Well, actually, I mean, I didn't have 82 rejections. I had probably five rejections and then 75 never heard from those agents again. That's mm, just the vast majority mm. of submission query submissions I sent out were just crickets. I'm still getting rejections from jobs I applied to after college. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like a year ago, somebody they were like, hey, we got your thank you, but this position has been closed. At this point, McDonald's has decided to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, in any event, I guess there's not a lot to talk about other than her potentially being taken down by an air marshal on her next flight and the tenacity that she showed. So uh, yeah. I, for one... I'm interested in seeing a giant Leviathan to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a giant Leviathan fall through the atmosphere and land in the plane somehow. You know, that is my expectation now. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> chomping its way up the main <clears throat> aisle. No shaman. Right. Good for her. This, this is the dream, right? And this is what people who don't people who don't listen to this show because these people who listen to this show are typically seasoned, salty veterans of the <laughs> book writing and self publishing industry. But this is a dream for everyone else who thinks this is what writing a book, the only way to do it, you know? So I'm happy for him. I mean, seven figures is no small sum. Probably have a little bit left over after the tax man comes for her too. But I, this is probably going to be, be a movie. It sounds like the guy that bought it up, he did Armageddon or I guess behind, he was, what did it say, behind Armageddon? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, good for her. Agreed. Agreed. I couldn't be any happier. I never begrudge anybody getting ahead. I always think it's good times. So, all right, good for her. So let's see. Now we're going to kind of move on to another artery of the publishing arm, traditional publishing arm. And this one's a little out there. So I don't know if you guys are kind of as interested in this as I am, but it is, uh, if any of you guys know Alan Moore, he's the guy behind Watchmen, V for Vendetta. He had a good Swamp Thing run in the 80s, I think. He's very kind of reclusive, kind of eccentric comic book writer. And he landed his first deal. Well, no, not his first deal, but his first kind of novel deal, because he has traditionally been short stories and graphic novels and things like that. And so he's got a five-volume fantasy epic coming. And he got a six-figure deal for it. And I'm just, I like Alan Moore. I know he's kind of weird, but uh, I like the stuff that he's done. Are you guys familiar with Alan Moore at all? A little bit. So to be clear, all right, we've got a bearded old white guy mm. who says he's going to release a bunch of fantasy books and series. <laughs> oh, no. Before he dies. And we're oh. going to be able to, I'm not going to get invested in this. I'm just, I can't go there anymore. I'm just, I'm done with bearded white guy, old people, fantasy novel series. <laughs> I know that seems like a very specific thing, but this is the second one that I can do when you've been, when you've been Patrick Rothfuss as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're never getting those sequels. Yeah. Let's be honest. Wheel of time guy originally, he he died. Right. And then it was taken up. Yeah. So that's true, man. When you've been burned before, it's hard to love again. It's okay. Brandon Sanderson (laughs) will finish that series too. Yes. And, and I arguably, he's probably a better person for that role. I think I just, I like his writing, but anyway, yeah. I don't know, Alan Moore. I don't know, man. You're old. Shave your beard. Do something different because right now you're just filling shoes. 
<laughs> he would look great on a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. I loved Watchmen. And I don't know, Alan Moore's first novel was a thousand pages. So I can't imagine that I would try to read whatever he publishes, but good for him. I hope he gets something that he's proud of because since he was so unhappy with all his Hollywood adaptations, he had his name taken off everything. His name isn't associated with the Watchmen movie at all. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Everything. That's kind of his shtick. Like people option his properties and then they put out a movie and he just defecates all over it. Just every time. Yep. See, I'm keeping it a family show, Pippa. He defecates all over it every single time. So, you know, it just, it's kind of weird like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. But I guess for me, the interesting take on this is that I would assume that financially he's been taken care of in his career as long as he hasn't been taken advantage of, you know? And, you know, I think he said he's 78 and he's still kind of plugging away, writing things that he wants to write. Writes. Yeah. Wow. I'm good. I'm awesome, guys. Writing things that he wants to. And it's kind of uh, interesting to me. You know, I'd like to be an old man, potentially, and still be writing and doing the kind of things that interest me. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of the dream. You're like, I'm now writing because I want to. I'm writing whatever weird esoteric shit. I defecation something. Sharks on planes. (laughs) Sharks in planes. A fantasy epic with sharks in planes. There you go. It's originals. Right on. on. (laughs) I dig it. And the great thing about it is, well, I don't know. I'm just interested. You know, he also did. I looked up some more of his stuff. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The Killing Joke, which to me is one of the greatest Batman comics ever. So I don't know. If you're kind of a comic nerd like me, maybe this is something to be interested in. Oh, yeah. All right, right on. Well, speaking of old people who uh, who are getting it done, one of you guys linked me to this. I think it might have been you, Jim. We have a story about a 92-year-old grandpa who becomes a best-selling poet, right? Apparently, this guy wrote some poems. His book's called 101 Poems, and it becomes a hit on Amazon. And he's kind of living the dream. You know, he's really excited according to this. But to me, I thought that this was kind of interesting. So then I dived into it. And it turns out that it's because it wasn't exactly organic. You know, his granddaughter asked her followers on social media to take a look and it went viral. So I guess no matter what you can do, you can't escape having to get your book in front of people, huh? (laughs) I really just want to ask his granddaughter if she's accepting friend requests. I agree. I agree. Maybe she. So what do you guys think? You guys think you'll be a 90 year old writing a book? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I'm not sure how much sense it'll make, but I'll probably be doing it. <laughs> Man, I can't even be a 34 year old writing a book right now. So I don't even know what the hell I'll be doing in 92. We'll see. Yelling at children to get off your lawn because you just managed to get it over the rocks. <laughs> yeah, probably that. And then wondering if my Amazon auto ads will ever kick in at 92. <laughs> That'll be the year, though. That'll be the year. This is a pretty cute story. But if you are a new author listening, and just because this guy went viral, don't assume that it could happen to you. It's not going to. It's if you're, you're not going to go viral, whoever's listening to this. I'm, Jim, just listen, hear crushing dreams. Listen, I'm telling you, listen to me. You're not going to go viral. You're not going to accidentally get picked up by Oprah for her book club. It's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so just enjoy stories like this and feel happy for this old toothless grandpa and then get back to writing. Yes. In this corner, the one who tells you how it is, Jim, the dream crusher. There we go. Dream crusher. I like it. We're going to get you a jersey made, brother. Don't worry. Man, I want a cool nickname. Oh, no. don't worry, dude. It's probably going to say potty mouth on the back of it. <laughs> In any event. All right. Well, that's good. You know, I, there's not a lot to talk about with that one either, but 
hey, who's the one that says it's never too late to dream another dream or to become what you might have been or something to that effect? It's a, what live, laugh, sh- love shit have you been? No, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> you guys spin something for a minute. Talk about something. Jim, how's the weather? It's really nice today. I have a cautionary tale I could tell. Please. Uh, for a couple of minutes here. I finished a novel last week and then I was getting planning to write the new thing. But in between, I had an idea for like a novelette or a novella. I wasn't sure how long it was going to be. But there were a couple of times last year when I missed out on taking part in a multi-author box set because I just didn't have anything lying around that I could contribute. So I was like, I'm going to write something that's like 10,000 words and then stick it in a drawer. So the next time somebody asks me, I can be like, sure, here, take this and not have any problem. And so, but I had this idea and I sat down and I was like, you know what? I'm going to pants this. Mm. I'm going to pants it and we're just going to see how it goes. Mm. And so I started writing and at first it was great because I had that idea. So everything was flowing from that idea. And then the second day I was 5,000 words in and I got to a point where things were supposed to be really cooking toward the big ending and I had no idea what was going to happen. So I started trying some different things like sketching, diagramming this final scene and working on ways it could go. And I basically, I spent half a day trying to figure out what was supposed to happen next. And I couldn't think of anything. And so I said, you know what? I'm just going to trust my fingers and I'm going to start typing and whatever comes out is what's going to come out. And you know what came out? Hmm. 2,000 words of pure garbage (laughs) that I had to delete and completely redo. So the moral of the story is (laughs) if you want to waste half a day or a day or a whole week, be a pantser. If you want to be efficient, know what you're going to write before you sit down to write it. I actually had a very similar experience recently where I was like, my fun project for this year, I'm going to write a campy, campy story. I'm going to put it out on Kindle Vella. I'm not going to like plan it ahead of time. I'm going to pants. I'm just going to lean hard into the camp. I wrote one chapter and then I went back the next day and I was like, this is just the worst thing (laughs) that has ever been put on a computer. I have to burn my computer now. So... (laughs) This can never get out. <laughs> I'll be ruined. Yeah, it's like I'll put it in my death yeah. folder for my husband. Ever I die, make sure no one ever opens this file. <laughs> That's funny. You know, Jim, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I had a similar situation. I was writing a novella just like you, and well, it was a novelette, maybe, and I was gonna pants it, and uh, it was supposed to be about about oh, 20,000 words, and it's currently at 89,000, uh, <laughs> and it's turned into the next book in the series, because why the heck not? It's that long, you know? Normally, I'd be done, and it's just dragging and dragging, so mm-hmm. I can understand. Yep. The quote I was trying to say was, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream by C.S. Lewis. So, you know, if you're 92... Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about, so I don't know. That's true. <laughs> Listen, if you're 92 and you're listening to this you can write a book of poetry. You should just go for it. Okay. So <laughs> the last thing that we have on the agenda today is it's not really a story. It's more of like a tip, right? So are you guys aware of the app Libby? Do you guys ever use Libby? Heard of it. No. Okay. I just downloaded it. I'm playing with it right now. Awesome, dude. Good thing your camera's off. <laughs> Screenshot. Uh, Libby is, it's an app that you use your library card from your local library and you sign up and you can download and read ebooks and audiobooks. I use it for the audiobooks. And we're talking like legitimate audiobooks here. We're not talking like, you know, when like Lord of the Rings got done by like your local theater troupe or whatever. Like this is the legitimate stuff here, you know? I've listened to all sorts of things on this app. 
And so I didn't know if you guys had ever heard of it. You should give it a shot because it's very good. Like I'm listening to all the Stephen King stuff that I never listened to before the stand. I never read those books. So I've been listening to them. Libby. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. So if you haven't, and it's free and it's free. The, you know, the thing is, though, obviously, it's like the library. So some stuff isn't in stock and you got to wait and things like that. So what? what oh, it's of, by overdrive. I see. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. So what's your guys' audiobook listening habits like in general? You guys voracious consumers or no? I'm still working through some of those audiobook codes that I had <laughs> that I was supposed to give away. So I have a couple of years of audiobooks to listen to that I didn't pay for. Shh. ACX is listening. Don't, <laughs> don't anybody tell Audible. <laughs> We're not mm. snitches. <laughs> no, I actually have never listened to an audiobook. Really? What? <laughs> well, all of the things that I would normally like when I'm off on walks, I'm just kind of like listening to either music or podcasts because I've got mm -hmm. so many podcasts that I'm trying to keep up with. And then, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would need to focus too much on it. I like being able to go back through the page and read paragraphs again. And mm. I don't know. Pippa, if I had to guess, I would say you're one of those murder show people. Are you a murder I'm show person? I'm actually not. I really? feel like, okay. no, I tend to be random ass science stuff. Okay. Mm. So mm. there's one called TED Radio Hour, which is where they go and they take like three to four related TED Talks and then go back and re-interview the people. And mm. But you can understand why he thinks you listen to murder mysteries. Uh, right? I'm guessing that's a demographic based <laughs> <laughs> assessment. I think I've, I've never met a woman who didn't listen to murder show podcasts. That's why it was demographic based. <laughs> For me, it was personality based. You're kind of a savage. Kind of so I, I just assume. I assume you like want some tips on how to, to research dispose bodies next time your husband makes you mad. You know. What about you, Nick? Audiobooks, yay or nay? I like them. I don't listen to them very often because I typically. I'm like, I have to focus on them more. So if I go work out, I enjoy listening to a podcast or something or music, but audiobooks, I typically will only do when I'm commuting somewhere. And since I work from home, I don't do that currently. Yeah. Um, but I got this app because the reason we moved is uh, my wife got a job and her commute is going to be like about 45 minutes. So mm. she's going to be all over this, I'm sure. So I'm trying to figure it all out. But I have to like figure it out first to be like, mm. okay, here's how you do it. And here's how it's easy. And then here you go. Because like, otherwise she'll be like, it's too hard. I'll just pay $25 to Audible every single time. Ooh. And we can't be having that. Yeah, that's a rough. Unless they're my audio books you're just listening to. <laughs> and they won't be. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I could give you a recommendation, if you can get a hold of uh, the Graveyard book, it's narrated by Neil Gaiman. It's just perfect. It's perfect in every way. His voice is perfect. He voices all the characters. It's really literally amazing. Like when I was done, I wanted to listen to it again. So mm -hmm. I would highly recommend that if you Great can get book. your hands on that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Well, it looks like we're at about 30 minutes. So we're going to wrap this show up. You guys have any alibis or mulligans? Anything you want to add to any of the stories or from earlier? No, I think the episode was absolutely perfect in every way. And there's nothing that we needed to change, especially in the introduction. Cut print. <laughs> I agree. Done. I agree. All right, guys. Well, since we don't have anything to add, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. So for all of us at Author News Weekly, I'm Ari McGee saying this meeting is over. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>